How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. And welcome to Dice Will Roll, the queerest Pathfinder podcast on the planet, where you ask the hard questions like, how big must a dungeon be to qualify as a mega dungeon? Welcome, one and all, to the newest season of Dice Will Roll, Abomination Vaults. We're here, oh my goodness. Oh, it's been several months, hasn't it? <laughs> I'm excited. Hello, everyone. Hi. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Abomination Vaults, a story of a mega dungeon, monsters, treasure, and the adventurers who will delve within. Uh, this is one that we've been very excited for for a very long time, and I hope uh, you guys are excited too. Um, without much further ado, uh, hi, everyone. My name is Derry. I am your genderqueerist uh, game master. Uh, my pronouns are Day and He. And uh, we're going to do an interesting fact about each of us to kind of, if you're new here, get a feeling for who everyone is. Um, I am an animator on a show that uh, describes itself as a Celtic anime about a mermaid uh, kind of swimming off the coast of Ireland. Uh, so that's a great one. Uh, but we're going to go around the table and we're going to start with Dave. Hi, Dave. Hi. Hi, Dave. Um, hi, I'm Dave. I use he, him and he, him. Uh, the second he him is like H Y M N, like a church hymn. <laughs> Very and, powerful. And a fun fact about me is that I run one of the biggest Homestuck roleplay communities on the internet. I think I've mm-hmm. never seen anything bigger personally. I, if you could find one, I would love to know. Six hundred page bespoke TTRPG rulebook for Homestuck. It's true. <laughs> Am I paid for that? <laughs> no. Is it fun? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, as always, uh, a reminder that Dave is my partner, uh, and we are finally moving in together after six years from across the world together uh, within the next few weeks, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't worry, that won't give him preferential treatment. I will still throw monsters at him as hard as I throw them at anyone else. He will die this campaign. Yeah, Girl. everyone will die this campaign. Relax. Relax. <laughs> 
GPK <laughs> Central. Relax. <laughs> uh, what about you, Ritz? What's up? Hi. Uh, my name is Ritz. My pronouns are also they and he. Uh, I don't prefer either. Um, I am currently an art and animation student, but my interests include just gay shit. Just some some downright gay shit. You might think that Ritz is exaggerating, but just before we started recording, he was talking about uh, debt, no chipping, so... Stop, don't out me like that. <laughs> uh, along with that, so I like uh, Castlevania and furries uh, and a little bit of everything. Hell fucking yeah, brother. And lastly, but certainly not leastly, dear sweet Luna, how are you? What's up? What's going on? Hi, uh, I'm Luna. My pronouns are she, they. I also don't have a preference. Go fucking ham, I guess. Um fun fact it's like name a woman jesus christ uh <laughs> name a woman <laughs> name a woman um <laughs> i guess the fun fact would be i like witchy aesthetic stuff i'm at uh, yesterday was my the height of my power and i did like almost nothing except errands <laughs> <laughs> there's something powerful about that um okay so i think you've now gotten to know uh us four fairly well but we now have a real tale to tell. The story of the town of Otari, the people who live in it, and the monsters that dwell beneath it. Are we at, uh, are we ready, everyone, to enter into uh, Abomination Vaults? I don't know, I'm kind of scared. You should be. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Once upon a time, there were adventurers. On the Isle of Kortos, that mass of land risen from the sea by the dead god Aradin, monsters roamed the land, and villains plotted in secret. These wicked forces spelled certain doom to those unable to defend themselves. And so, the good and the righteous stood strong and took on the mantles of heroes. And perhaps there were no greater heroes than the ones who called themselves the Roseguard. The Roseguard were a party of four from the metropolis of Absalom, the city at the center of the world. First, there was Vol Rajani, an exiled royal from Nidal, the land of shadows. Known as the Rose Knight for her iconic dark armor, she was a master of the blade and a mighty warrior indeed. When the Roseguard first came together, after they all leapt to action to stop a rampaging monster at the Absalom docks, it was Valrajani's idea that they join forces, and it was because of her rose symbol that they decided upon the Roseguard as a name. Originally, Val had intended to bring her powerful new allies back to Nidal and reclaim her throne, but over time she lost interest in her old goals. Eventually, during a dramatic moment on one of their adventures, she uttered the famous line, I would rather be a hero than a princess. Then there was Otari Ilvesti, a rogue and a charmer if there ever was one. As a boy, he had always dreamt of adventuring, but found himself traveling with thieves and scoundrels rather than brave heroes. Rather than fall into ill-gotten wealth in the heist of a lifetime, Otari took down his own thieves' guild solo on the night that they intended to swindle half of Absalom. 
a sacrifice few would make in his place. But to Otari, honor was worth more than any gold. Zarmavdian, the dwarven wizard, was a figure shrouded in mystery. His origin is unknown, and though rumors claim he hails from one of the dwarven sky citadels in the north, even his true name is unknown, for Zarmavdian was a title given to him by a tribe in the distant Mwangi expanse. Zarmavdian was exceptionally well-traveled. The title Zarmavdian can be roughly translated as the Watchful One, for Zarmavdian was observant as well as clever, and his tactical foresight saved the day just as often as his mighty spells during the adventures of the Rose Guard. Finally, there was Asafana Memhines, a cleric of Erastal. She was the youngest of the Rose Guard when they first came together, still only a teenager. Yet she was wise far beyond her years, and her skill with a bow was great, and she had the favor of Erastal, god of the harvest. Although Vol founded the Roseguard, and Zarmavdian was the brains of the operation, and Otari its moral compass, in essence, it was Esafana who became its leader. The Roseguard went on many adventures, from the slaying of the Cave Wyrm of Eskadar to the Ooze Siege of Diabel. It was their final adventure, perhaps, that was their most tragic. North of Absalom, whispers world of an evil sorceress who is gathering monstrous minions in an attempt to lay siege to the city. The Rose Guard traveled to her and attempted to defeat her. They battled through fiendish soldiers, monstrous aberrations, and more to confront the sorceress. And their greatest battle took place atop her tower. The final blow struck by the Rose Guard left the sorceress mortally wounded, but not so wounded that she could not cast a final spell with which she shattered the earth around them and took the life of Otari. The evil was defeated, but the hearts of the Rose Guard were broken. But the Rose Guard could not let the memory of their friend die. And so the three survivors of the Rose Guard did something else they settled down and retired, building a town. A town off the coast of the Isle of Cortos, a town surrounded by forests and swamp, a town that they named after their dead friend. The town of Otari. 500 years have passed now since the final adventure of the Rose Guards and the founding of Otari. The town of Otari now sits in a cove just out of the sea, surrounded by tall cliffs and a river which carries water from the mountains of Cortos out to the sea. The most iconic sight to see in Otari is the giant's wheel, a massive water wheel with a log flume that helps transport the wood of the local lumberjacks into the city of Absalom itself. A temple to Serenre, the goddess of the sun, of healing, and of Trut sits on the coast overlooking the crystal blue seas. There are shops, there are forges, there are stables and there are farms. It is a town that has not seen the kind of excitement that the Rose Guard would once have seen during their travels centuries ago. Indeed, just a few days from now, 
it will be the 500th anniversary of the town's founding, and the Founders' Festival preparations are in full swing. Children will perform plays, people will take part in games, speeches will be held for the local elections, with the most likely winner to be the incumbent mayor, Osef Menhims, descendant of the great Asafana Menhims. Life in Otari is nothing if not peaceful. And yet, a figure pulls away from her telescope. Her brows are furrowed as she looks at the star that should not be there. Biting her lower lip, the strange woman turns, seeks out a piece of paper, and begins writing out a flyer. A flyer that reads, Adventurers Wanted. Welcome, everyone, to Chapter 1 of Abomination Vaults. A Light in the Fog. <laughs> Are we ready? Uh, yes. 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 Okay. We see the blue sky of a sunny day. Suddenly, a silhouetted shape appears, blocking our vision. As the hands that put the shape up pull back, we get to see them in earnest. A pair of frilly old grandmother's underwear. The underwear is being put up on a laundry line. Dave, can you tell us a little bit about the young man who is helping this old lady do her laundry? Well, uh, this is a Fiore Sunchaser. He's a Cambian, or a Tiefling is what they uh, used to be called. He's got, like, dark red skin, mm -hmm. darker red hair, um, and he does have really golden eyes. He is a champion... <laughs> At last, this number one paladin superfan gets to play a paladin. I've been waiting for so long for this. You have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> um, but he is a champion paladin, um, which I've specifically been waiting for. Um, of Saren Ray, you can see. Um, he's got the symbol of Saren Ray, like. It's like hooked onto the side of his belt. Just likes to keep it on his person. Mm -hmm. This beautiful ankh shape of a golden woman with uh, angel wings. Mm -hmm. It's really, really pretty. Mm -hmm. Ray, of course, is the goddess of sun, of hope, of healing, and of mercy. Is that right? Yes. And uh, tell me a little bit more about Fiore. What's uh, what's he wearing? What's he like? Um, he's wearing armor. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a bit hand-me-down like it's not like newly polished or anything um he clearly mm -hmm. wears it all the time too uh it's a bit scuffed it's not dirty um just used and well loved he's got a bright red shock of cloth around his shoulders um with like uh like sunshine triangles going on the at the bottom of it and he also has a golden nose stud and an earring. It's sort of like uh, 
like a cuff a bit. Mm. And uh, one of his horns seems to have been filed down to like a little under the halfway mark. Okay. He is a very handsome young man, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he is. And like, especially when he smiles, which I think he might be doing now as he finishes his work. When he smiles, his whole face lightens up like a sun rising in the morning. Yes. Yes, it does. He's just trying to be a good hero. Um, I think... Well, his first favorite hobby is adventuring, and his second favorite hobby is helping people. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, there's not much adventuring to do right now. Um, He does what he can. Mostly it's helping people around town. Um, So mostly it's just helping him helping somebody with something that they need to get done and he's not gonna not do it because he likes to help people he's like a really cheerful type of guy he's like a friendly to everybody type of mm-hmm. person heart of gold right uh yeah if you're a sun chaser as you finish doing this old lady's laundry she approaches you and says brother sun chaser thank you so much that was terribly kind of you to help me with my laundry. You are such a good young boy, aren't you? <laughs> I told you you can just call me Fiore, but it's no problem. You needed help, and I wanted to help. A knight of Serenray like you? One must think that you would be going on adventures and defeating monsters rather than helping helpless old ladies like myself. That's terribly kind of you, young man. I like my adventures happening here. Well, and she ruffles through her bag and she takes out uh, three pieces of silver and she like holds it out for you. Take this for your troubles. You really don't need to do that. It's the least I can do, young man. Uh, No, no, it's really okay. Well, in that case, next time you come round, I'll simply have to make you some more stew, shan't I? Well, I would like that. (laughs) Thank you very much, brother sun chaser. And you tell you tell everyone at the temple that I said hello and that I will be returning the books I borrowed very soon, all right? Of course. I'll let them know. She kind of pinches your cheek a little bit. And, and she smiles and waves you off as you walk down towards the Dawnflower Temple. And it is a beautiful building, by the way. Otari's largest temple stands at the town's westernmost edge at a beach uh, standing just below the cliff top where the Otari graveyard is. The building's position allows it to catch the rays of the rising sun, which transforms the beautiful blue dome-shaped building into a glowing testament of Seren Ray. At least on days that aren't fogged in or overcast. It also contains an impressive library, which is open to the public. Fiori, as you are walking down towards the Dawnflower Temple, uh, you see a figure walking down the path towards you. Uh, And it is a woman. Uh, She is very short, uh, maybe three feet tall. Uh, Her skin is tan and her hair is blonde. Um, She has earrings just like you. Um... And she wears uh, blues, reds, and golds, uh, the colors of Serenray, which is fitting considering that the woman you see is none other than the high priestess of Serenray in Otari. 
And as she sees you, uh, she immediately smiles a smile almost as bright as yours and uh, waves towards you. Um, Fiore notices her and his face lights up and he goes, Mama! And he runs towards her and he picks her up and he gives her a hug. Whoa! Oh, Fiore, please, you... <laughs> you can put me down, Sunlight. It's all right. <laughs> Sorry. Um, he puts he puts her down um, and he looks a little sheepish. And indeed, the uh, woman that you have just scooped up into a hug, your mama is none other than Vandy Sunchaser, uh, a halfling cleric of the Dawnlight. Uh, she kind of puts her hands on her hips and cocks her head at you and says, Now where did you go coming back smelling like flowers? Uh, well, I was helping Mrs. Hartley with her laundry. She looked like she was having trouble. So you decided to go make work for yourself? I got lunch first. Mm, did you? Yes. Was it a big hearty lunch? A sandwich. You need to be eating at least double that. Look, you need to be having a full and balanced diet, young man. If you want to grow up big and strong, she smiles, she kind of pinches your cheek. You are, <laughs> I should also point out, fully grown. He's <laughs> like, I'm already big and strong. I think Vandy kind of smiles a little bit coyly at you and says, I thought I told you to take the rest of the day off, Fiore. You already did so much work in the temple and now you're going off doing more work elsewhere? Fiore huffs and he's like, well, there isn't much of anything else to do. I like doing adventure stuff, but it's not like there's heaps of that to do around here. And Fiori, as you say that, you notice Vandy making a little bit of a face. And it's a face that's like a veiled, smug smile. Like she knows something. And she says, oh, yes. Now, normally that is the case, isn't it? Nothing exciting ever happens in Otari. What is... What is that face you're making? It's just that, Fiore, perhaps I may have heard from a little bird that... Something appeared in town today. Y yeah. He's, he's starting to like lean towards her. Apparently, that that woman from uh, Rin's Wonders has put out a call for adventurers. What? That's right. He, he puts both hands on her shoulders. He's like, "Are you serious right now?" I'm very serious, but don't get too excited. It might it might be nothing. You know that lady is curious. Yeah. She's a good soul, all things considered, but don't be disappointed if it turns out not to be some grand adventure. But I know it's something you've been looking for for some time, so... Thank you. I'm really excited. Do you know if anyone else knows about this yet? She, she kind of makes a face, and she's like, if you're a... Otari's not really an adventuring town, is it? Well, You're the no. only one who is actively looking to do these kind of things. I wouldn't be surprised if you were the only one to go. I'd be okay. Before you go, young man, you go and you get your mother to make you... Um, uh, before you go, you go and you tell your mother to go make you a second sandwich. I'm not letting you go out there on mm. half a lunch. Mm. 
Okay, Mama. You go out and you show the world what you're made of. And she kisses your cheek. Mwah. He smiles um, and he gives her another hug and he's like, I'm going to go ask. I'm going to go ask Mom. How is Fiore doing as he goes in and prepares for this potential adventure that he's just heard about? At last, after all this time, walking dogs and fixing windows, a real adventure awaits, maybe. He walks to what he thinks is out of earshot and he screams. (laughs) Yeah, I think he just got really excited and he can't really help it. (laughs) And then he goes, and then he walks really fast. (laughs) As she walks down the beach... Vandy Sunchaser looks over her shoulder as you go in to get another sandwich from your other mom, her wife, and she smiles coyly and continues walking. Now, elsewhere in Otari, we see a figure walking through the streets. The sound of heels clack against cobblestone as this blue shape wafts through the crowds like a praying mantis among ants. He is beautiful, tall, long, platinum blonde hair, pointed ears, tanned skin, a floppy blue witch's hat and a flowing blue dress, and eyes that are the color of the night sky. No sclera, just blue. The figure walks through the crowds and stops in front of a shop. A shop which is on 100 Rosegard Street. A three-story stone tower rising from the back half of a one-floor wooden bookstore. A sign above the front door depicts a stack of open books with lines of magical energy rising from the pages. The name of the store is Odd Stories. And as this figure opens the door... The shopkeeper, a 60-year-old man, balding with what's left of red fiery hair, tick round glasses, and he wears a round flat cap and a big heavy green robe of the same color. As this man looks up and sees you from behind the counter, he immediately rises to his feet, slams the book closed, points at the door and says, Out! Oh, don't greet me like that. No, we're not do- we're not doing this today, Silk. You every time you come by, it's another bunch of nonsense and I'm not putting up with it. So just kindly turn on your heel and leave, young man. Oh, well, I'm just here to see my good friend Maury. No, don't Morlebint. Morlebint. Three syllables. You don't need to shorten it down to two, for goodness sake. And as he's uh, kind of snapping and yelling at you, uh, another man, uh, tan skin, mustache suspenders, and uh, slightly ticker black hair, uh, comes, kind of pokes around the corner and says, Morlebint, is that, uh, is that silk? Oh, vision of my dreams, hello. Oh, welcome, silk. Make yourself a home. And Thanks. this Morlebint fellow says, No. So as the uh, figure who is called Silk takes a seat under this giant floppy wizard's hat of his, Ritz, will you tell me a little bit about your character? I'd be happy to. 
This is Silk Witch Helm. Mm. He is, in fact, a wizard. Uh, if it wasn't obvious uh, from his eccentric way of dressing, let's say, <laughs> uh, he is head to toe in glamour. His outfit is very, very fashionable, I'll say, uh, though it is mostly in blues and golds. Uh, he has long, long, near-white platinum blonde hair that reaches to about, I'd say, like, bottom of his back. Maybe a bit longer. Uh, but he has um, these kind of curly fringe parts that frame his face. Uh, he He's nicely tanned and kind of stark contrast with that hair. And he is, in fact, an elf. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he has those long pointy ears, which are adorned by very uh, nice golden jewelry. Um, it's very star-themed, very sun and stars and moons. And yeah, his, his eyes are a kind of a deep midnight sky. He is the most beautiful man you've ever set eyes on. He's gorgeous, is the thing. What kind of person is Silk? Silk is very refined. Uh, he's a very refined, elegant kind of man. Uh, and he carries himself with a very light air to him. When he walks, it doesn't look like he's... It doesn't look like he weighs anything, quite honestly. Mm. Even with the way his, his heels click loudly, he he looks like... It, everything he does is just effortless. Very graceful, very elegant. Yeah. Bit, a bit catty. A bit a bit um, mysterious. In a very playful way. And I'm sure if uh, I asked you anything about him, uh, person-wise uh, and history-wise, he would just give a kind smile and then not answer, right? He he would take you elsewhere in the conversation, yeah. <laughs> if Silk isn't interested. The Eternal Riddle, I think, is what you've described him as. The Eternal Riddle, yes. I'm sure there's a double meaning to that somewhere. We'll get to it one day. So... Silk, as you sit across from Morlabint, this uh, human uh, bookstore keeper who seems to be displeased at your presence, although his husband is delighted to have you here. Um, what do you do? What's going on? Uh, Silk leans up against uh, the counter. Uh, he's got both of his elbows on there and uh, kind of his uh, uh, hands tangled together and he leans down uh, and he's like, you know, Mori, you'd have less wrinkles if you were less mean to me. I don't have any wrinkles. What are you talking about? Oh, well, anyways. Excuse me. Excuse me. Carl, I don't have any wrinkles, do I? No, you don't, Maury. Don't you start with the Maury as well. <laughs> what do you want, Silk? I know it's not to buy books. You don't buy books anymore. What do you want from me? Is it really so hard to believe that I just like your company? I would like your company if you didn't loiter around my store all the time. Thank you very much. Oh, well, you're very welcome for my presence. Mm. I was just wondering what's new. What do you mean? What? Uh, do you take me for a chronicler? Is that what you think I do? That I, uh, I collect rumors from around town just to give them to you? Exactly. I, I don't. I'm a novelist. Thank you very much. You must hear something. He's He's been a novelist for the last two years. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's not published anything. <laughs> Truly, there must be something that you do while you waste time being your little novelist. 
waste time. All right. No, nothing. Mm, I suppose there's been... Um, and he kind of like leans back and he's like very obviously trying to think. Uh, I suppose there were more scary sounds from the ruins of the Tercy Alpaca. Someone's sure they saw a phantom down there. Mm -hmm. um, goodness. Um, apparently uh, Ezri Longturner, the lady who runs the giant's wheel, fell in the river the other day trying to oh. help a young lady across. Is that is that something? It's certainly interesting. Uh, and oh, that's uh, the the weirdo across the street with the uh, horns and the tail. Um, she's put out a sign for a call to adventure outside the town hall. A call to adventure. Goodness knows what an earth she's talking about. Uh, it. It doesn't say anything about it. There's no bounty. There's no details. Just, just adventurers wanted to come to uh, Rin's Wonders or at sunset tonight, and uh, that—that's really it. If you ask me, if I were to put out a uh, call to adventure, I would say exactly what it is I expect the adventurers to be doing. It only seems like common courtesy, don't you find? <laughs> well, I suppose. Surely. Nothing truly that inspiring is happening in Otari. In Otari? No. The most inspiring thing is sometimes the river flows. It's why it's the perfect place to write a novel. Riveting. Uh, it did say something about a cash reward, though, so perhaps if that's up to your speed. I know you've stopped buying my books as of late. He kind of gives you a strange look. Perhaps this would allow you to buy some more. A silk gives Vorlevent a look. <laughs> he gives you one right back. Kind of a like, what the fuck are you implying? You, you called me wrinkly earlier. I'm an I'm, I'm, I'm observant man. If you need to buy more books, you used to buy all these expensive tomes and now you buy nothing? You waste my time, if anything. Uh, I've simply got a long backlog to read. Come on now. <laughs> he folds his arms at you. Ugh. Well, it's none of my business anyway, but that is all the news from Otari. I hope at least some of it you found interesting. I suppose it might be worth checking in on. Perhaps. Oh, you actually will? What else is there to do? Go through your long backlog, apparently. He raises an eyebrow. Oh, hush. I don't think I will. If it's enough to get you out of my hair, then yes, go on this vague quest of Miss Sivinxi and... Yeah. Do do what you must, alright? Sure, but don't miss me too much, will you? Oh, I won't, he says. Although, you've known him for a while now. You know that he is at least a little bit fond of you. Yeah. <laughs> He's just also kind of... He's kind of a... <laughs> A, a drama queen in his own right, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's why Silk likes him so much. <laughs> Silk, you say your goodbyes to uh, Morlebent without buying anything, I'm sure, which annoys no. me further. <laughs> um, Kalt waves you off and wishes you a good day. How are you feeling as you walk outside and stand looking up at the sky, seeing rain clouds starting to form in the distance? <sighs> 
regretful that he didn't bring his umbrella. <laughs> well, Silk, you make your way down to the town hall to go check out this call to adventure. Now, finally, we go deeper into Atari, down the winding roads, across a Mantcore Street, through Rat Alley, down into Menheim Street, towards the Otari Market. One part open-air farmer's market, one part log cabin trading post. The Otari Market is a one-stop shop for all manner of general goods. It is open every day from dawn to dusk. And it is located on 80 Menheim Street. Inside the log cabin trading post, a middle-aged, foul, grumbling-looking man with uh, red sideburns and uh, just a bitter, bitter look on his face is chewing some tobacco behind the counter. However, it is then that the door opens and a figure appears carrying uh, two barrels not very well and trying to stumble their way inside. The figure is also, in a word, beautiful. Uh, they are very tall, with long hair that goes from blonde to white, uh, coming out from beneath the hood that they wear, pulled up over their head even now indoors. Shadows are cast across this figure's face, but glowing from beneath them. These beautiful, consolation-filled blue eyes. Eyes that could not certainly belong to any human. The figure is tanned, wearing, as I said, a, a green hooded cloak, and, as I mentioned, carrying two barrels not very well. As the figure makes their way inside, they get not a single step in before the barrel crashes out of their hand and smashes into pieces on the floor, just drenching the floor with red alcohol. The man kind of jumps a little bit in his seat and comes out and... The figure struggles a little bit with the remaining barrel before uh, they are steadied by this man. And uh, the guy, whose name is Kilno Latinar, uh, kind of steadies you and says, Right, are you all right? Uh, Father's going to kill me for that one. Um, Fine, fine. You don't have to worry about the payment for that one. It's smashed. I should hope not. Uh, come on, sit. You've got you've got booze all over your feet, son. And yeah, Kielno Latinar sits you down and helps wipe your boots clean as you kind of sit there a little bit embarrassed. But can you tell me a little bit about yourself, strange figure, as you sit there and recover from your little accident? <laughs> well, uh, this is Ulrich. Alric Revra. Uh, they go by they he, and they are a bard. Mm-hmm. Currently, right now, they are. Um, they still have the hood over their face. Mm-hmm. He will not take it off, no matter how much you ask. Not fucking <laughs> happening. In fact, I don't think anybody in his, in this town has seen him without the hood. Interesting. One might be forgiven for thinking you are a human, if not for those strange eyes, right? Yep. So the the lovely thing about Ulrich's eyes is that they don't have a specific color. It's more of oh. a view. And 
It's the view of the sunrise right at dawn. Oh my god, that is beautiful. Okay. I believe the term is a civil sun- civil sunrise, I think. But yeah, it's like a sort of deep purple on at the tops, but when it goes down it it's it's like a gradual from like slight deep purple to uh sort of a light blue. Mm. God, that is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And the uh the reflection in his eyes, uh they look like uh lens flares. Oh. So obviously these are not normal human eyes. What's up with no. that? What is this guy? Ulrich is an Empyrean. Ah, the scion of the Celestials. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pathfinder Azamar, right? Yes. Awesome. Okay. Now, what can you tell me a little bit about Ulrich's personality? Like, what's his what's his deal? Shy. Very shy. <laughs> Incredibly shy. It. <laughs> He doesn't talk to a lot of people, see, but uh, there are a lot of regulars that he has seen uh, throughout the markets, and uh, this man helping him is one of those regulars. So he's able to talk to him for the Mm -hmm. most part, but strangers, fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) This guy, yeah, Kilno is a family friend, right? Yes. Uh, That's the only reason you're able to easily talk to him. Oh, yeah. Um... (laughs) He does business with uh, his family, and both of his parents own a winery and a vineyard. They're vintners. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he uh, accidentally spilled a barrel of his parents' wine. Yeah, his dad's going to kill him, I'm sure. Gonna have to... Well, he he says kill, but his parents aren't exactly like the uh, raise their voice type. They're more just like the... Again? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor Ulrich. One barrel at a time, dude. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, I wanted to expedite this. As you are cleaned up, uh, Kielno kind of folds his arms and says, You all right? Not too shaken up? That was a big smash, you say? <laughs> no, I'm fine. It's nothing, really. Um, I think I've suffered worse falls. Yeah. Still, to smash a barrel like that, that takes some advanced levels of clumsiness, my friend. Oh, listen. We can't all be that. We can't all be big, strong, burly men. Hmm. Yeah, obviously not. Listen, all right. I have, I have my way around the bow, not exactly a sword. Yeah, I want to actually talk to you about that. Why Why don't you do that more? Obviously, your skills are less in being a market runner and more in actually, you know... Shooting that boating, singing those songs of yours, reading them books. <laughs> None of those are particularly conducive to uh, carrying stuff around a market. Clearly, he says, pointing at the big red splotch on the floor. I'm... And you aren't the first person to talk about the songs. Um, I tried that once because my mum made me sing at the winery. Never again. <sighs> and he what else his is there? I th- look, and they and he points at the hood. If I was ever as confident in front of people, do you think I'd have this on? I'd make a snide comment, but even I'm not sure what's under there. So, uh, believe me, it's, I've had enough around the markets. And as for the boat, for what? 
There's... I mean, I hunt. I can do that. There's other things that a man can do with a bow, you know? He kind of sits back. If there had been more people like you around 30 years ago, then... And he kind of looks glumly off into the mid-distance, and you're like, right, okay, here we go. Dead <laughs> wife story. <laughs> He's... Kilno does this a lot. So you already know exactly where this is going as he starts talking. Yeah, Alric uh, put, like, sits forward and puts both elbows on both knees, and he's just like, okay, I'm just going to ride this if one were, out. <laughs> if there were more brave people around 30 years ago, then my Ayla wouldn't have been killed. And even then, if she had been killed, then the people in town would have been able to stop that monster before he got away. So that's why I think people like you should put their skills to use instead of squandering them, walking around markets, carrying stuff that's too heavy for them. <sighs> I mean, I suppose could be a useful thing around here, but I haven't seen any sort of flyer in who knows how long. And I put my skills to excuse me, I put my skills to use as well. I still have a I still have medicine deliveries to do. Yes, it's very impressive that you grow your own herbs like that, Mr. Ulrich. But an herb isn't going to stop a monster from killing someone. Well, if you pick the right poison, maybe. What was that? Nothing. <laughs> uh, he kind of narrows his eyes at you and shrugs and says, "Either way, you're in luck, actually." And he. Uh, takes something out from under the table and puts it on the counter and slides it to you. And it is a flyer which reads, Adventurers Wanted. Come to Rin's Wonders at sunset tonight. That, uh, odd woman from uh, up top of the town. The one in the tent. The big uh, circular, like, hey. the stones and stuff. I, you know her. I've seen her before, yeah. Rin's Wonders. That's right, yeah, yeah, her, Savinksy, whatever. Point is, she came in all in a fuss asking me to put up these flyers to call for adventurers. I put a few up, but this town's not exactly buzzing with adventuring life, so... But you, he points at your, uh, kind of like, put, he kind of puts a thumb up to, no, kind of pushes his index into your chest and says, but you, you've got a real talent, you do. A talent at your squadron, and I think it is the duty... It is the duty of an adventurer to not squander that talent. So you go, you go to this Miss Savinksy, and you make sure that you can help people, yeah? <laughs> Think Ulrich sighs and uh, takes the paper, scans a little bit and goes, as not much in a way description. No, not really, but that's Rin for you. She's the lover of the vague, isn't she? I suppose that's fair. Alright, well, I guess I'll check it out. Um, can do my deliveries on my way. There you go. Just like the stories that you love so much with all those oh, old adventurers. Okay, alright. I know I read too much. I've heard it too much from everybody else. Oh, it's good. It's good. It's good to honor those old adventurers like uh, Asafana Menhims and uh, Vol Rajani. You know, it's good. Keep it up. Well. You be a hero too. <laughs> right, we'll see when that day comes. 
We'll see you on in the in the next big storybook about the new heroes of Otari. He kind of grins. <laughs> this is definitely a man with far too high hopes for what is probably going to be a fetch quest. <laughs> and Ulrich laughs because he already knows it's probably just going to be a fetch quest, and it's like, I, if it helps the people, it helps the people. But don't worry about the barrel. I'll explain it to my mother and father later. Uh, that's good. That's good. Now, get out there. See you soon, alright, kid? See you soon. Don't be too much of a grouch now. <laughs> hey, hey, smile. He, I think he doesn't smile. I think he, like, furrows his brow so much his face kind of crumbles at you, and you're like, yeah, close enough. <laughs> That's your version of a smile. Cool. <laughs> he grumbles and growls a little bit more as you step over the puddle that you made with that wine and as you make your way outside look up at the sky and see that the sun is getting ready to begin its journey into setting so we're gonna jump forward a little bit aren't we as you make your way all three of you at the same time to the very top of Otari towards the shop called Rin's Wonders. Dice Will Roll will return after these messages. Hey everyone, and thanks for listening to Dice Will Roll. Welcome one and all to Abomination Vaults. I hope you are enjoying. This is uh, some of the most fun the cast has had in uh, recording in a long time. It's great. Uh, we love our characters, we love the adventure, and we're really excited to be able to share with you. Uh, if you are new to Dice World, then welcome and thank you for making it this far. Uh, we upload new episodes every Monday, so be sure to check out weekly. If you are not already part of our spoiler-free Discord, come join the community. There's a link in the show notes. You can also find it on our website, dicewillroll.com. The Discord community is fantastic. It's a huge reason why we push so hard to make the best episodes of this show possible. And we can't be grateful enough for them. So if you're not already part of it, come join it. We've got fan art. We've got episode discussion. We've got general tabletop talk. It's great. If you're looking for a hub for queer TTRPG fans, this is the place for you. On top of that, if you'd really like to support Dice Will Roll, you can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Dice Will Roll. We've got all sorts of goodies there, such as merch, your name in the credits, ad-free episodes, and our most popular reward, cameos, getting your character into the show, whether as a villager in the town of Otari or as someone deep in the dungeons, which we will explore very soon. You can find all that at patreon.com slash Dice Will Roll, so go check it out. Lastly, I'd really like to thank James Roach for composing our new team song, Adventure Awaits. Uh, you may know James Roach as the head musician for Homestuck and Hive Swap, and now the head writer for Homestuck 2, um, <laughs> which is fantastic. We're very happy to have his song defining our adventures deep into the dungeons. And when you finish the episode, be sure to leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, wherever you're listening right now. Please leave us a review, help us grow the show, and the best thing you can do is to try to get a friend to listen to Dice Roll. If you've been enjoying this, get a buddy to listen to it as well, talk about it weekly, and help get this show rolling. Just as we start a new season, this is prime time to get Dice Roll out on the airwaves to lots of new people and share our adventures with them. That's all for now, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of the episode. 
And as always, keep it rolling. We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. We now return to Dice Will Roll. So, Alric, Fiore, and Silk, the three of you make your way towards this strange, strange shop on 60 Osprey Street. This curio shop bears no sign, but locals know it as Rin's Wonders, a truly curious curio shop. The structure consists of a ring of what appears to be standing stones arranged in a circle surrounding a 15-foot-high dome of wooden beams covered with triangular pieces of canvas. Closer inspection of the standing stones revealed that they're also made of wood frames and canvas painted to resemble granite. The area between the central dome and the surrounding circle is a collection of other dome-shaped tents used to store the shop's wares. When it's not raining, the fabric of these domes is pulled aside so people can admire what's for sale in the light of the sun, or the light of the moon for that matter, as Rin's Wonders is always open. The three of you arrive around the same time, and I think each of you is individually surprised to see that anyone else came for this. (laughs) Otari is, as I've said, not a town of adventurers. As you enter this store, you can see that there is just stuff everywhere. Hanging from the ceiling are countless, countless charms. Um, There's like statuettes standing on like freestanding cabinets. And inside those cabinets, you can see like uh, a strange handkerchief is held, for example, in a glass case. There are rune stones just kind of like decorating a piece of wall art. Um, there are cantrip decks. There are a, there's a jade statuette of a cat. There's um, a beautiful mannequin adorned with countless pieces of mismatched fashion. Um, this seems to be kind of a shop that sells just about anything. And then there's the woman inside. Rin Sivinksy. She is a curious-looking person indeed. 
Um, as she kind of steps forward, you see that she has uh, long white hair, um, which has kind of green, like pale, pale green streaks in it here and there. Um, she wears uh, a kind of like maximalist outfit. Uh, there's like a lot of robes and jewelry everywhere. She jingles as she walks around um, because she just has so much jewelry everywhere, all hanging from like her wrists, her ankles, her neck. She has three different necklaces on, but somehow she makes it work. Her eyes are totally white, like that of a blind seer. Her ears are pointed, and coming from her behind is a long, feathery, red, white, and gold tail, marking her as a Ganzi, the children of the Proteans, those chaos-born worms of the Maelstrom. And as you kind of, like, uh, all make your way inside, she seems delighted that you all came, but also not surprised. She turns and smiles and says, Ah! Welcome, everyone! Welcome! My name is Rin Sivinxi. Welcome to Rin's Wonders, one and all! Well, hello. <laughs> Hi, it's nice to meet you. It is nice to meet you as well, traveler. I must assume if you've come here at sunset on this specific day, then you have not just come here to browse my many wares. Could it be that the three of you have come here in search of adventure? Uh, yes. More curiosity on my end. Was told about the lawyer. Oh, yes, wonderful. Well, then all of you have come for your own reasons then, hmm? Well, um, I must apologize then. I, I foresaw you coming, but I also did not prepare properly in time. So if you give me just a minute, Rin Svinksy shall return. But first she has to go get everything ready. Talk among yourselves, browse my wares. I'll, I'll be right back, yes? Uh, sure, of course. Thank you so much. Enjoy. Be right back. Be right back. Yes. And she kind of dashes out of this, like, she seems to be going deeper into the tent. There are no corners in this place. Everything is round, but she kind of, like, winds around, like, a strange path in the tent. You don't even know how there could be a path. This is a weird place. <laughs> All three of you are a little befuddled by her mannerisms. Yeah, Soak's got, like, his eyes, like, or his eyebrows, like, all the way up. <laughs> <laughs> but the three of you are left with one another in private now. You may know each other vaguely. You all inhabit the same town. In fact, we're going to do something real quick. Oh. Okay. I, before this campaign started, asked each of you for three rumors. One true, one false, and one partially true, but not entirely. I'm going to ask each of you to roll me a D tree for both people around you. So, for example, Silk, you'll roll two D tree, one for Alric, one for Fiore. And I will tell you a rumor that you know about this person. But you won't know if it's true, false, or kind of true. Okay. Okay. You have each rolled your first dice of the campaign. How does it feel? Good. <laughs> So, we'll start with Fiore, because Fiore, you kind of lean back and look these guys up and down. 
They're both very pretty. But then again, you're pretty pretty too. <laughs> That's true. So what you have heard about these guys, what you know about Silk is that he's, from what you've heard, kind of a crazy gossip. Like, he will take a rumor and run with it and talk about it to anyone that will listen. That being said, if you asked him if he was a gossip, he would never admit it. That's real. Meanwhile, this Ulrich fellow, um, you take a look at him, and from what you know, this guy is like maybe a druid of some sort. Like, not necessarily by class, but by creed. From what you understand, he spends a lot of time growing plants and like... um, practicing strange uh, magics based on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've heard the word witch be thrown around sometimes too, but you're pretty sure that isn't how it works. Maybe. Seriously. Meanwhile, Ulrich, when you look at the other two, this gorgeous-looking elf and this handsome Cambion, you know of uh, Silk that... Uh, from what you've heard, he is kind of like an outdoorsy type of person. Like, you wouldn't necessarily believe it by looking at him. But apparently, he will often go out into the wilderness and do, like, lots of, like, nature studies. You don't know exactly what kind, but from what you've heard, he is quite the outdoorsman, despite his uh, quite cosmopolitan sense of fashion, we'll say. <laughs> okay. Meanwhile, uh, this uh, Fiore guy, you know that he is a paladin in the local temple of uh, Serenray. Obviously, he's got a big symbol of that uh, like angelic ankh on his chest. Uh, but you also heard that he like maybe uh, moved here when he was like in his teenage years uh, after maybe a less than ideal childhood is what you've kind of heard down the grapevine. Hmm. Apparently it was like a big deal a few years ago. And Silk, what you know about uh, Ulrich and Fiore here. Ulrich, you've heard, has something strange under his hood. There's a reason that they never take the hood down. Something bizarre must be under there. Hmm. Maybe they've got antennas, or maybe <laughs> they're bald. You don't know. But there's something strange under that hood. Why else would someone keep a hood up all the time if not to hide something? That's true. But for Fiore, what you know is perhaps a little more concerning. You've heard a less than charitable nickname be used for Mr. Fiore. Oh. Because most people in town love him. But every once in a while, you will hear whispers about the cursed paladin. Apparently, Fiore has some great evil in his soul. One that came from somewhere else than himself. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. So, I'll let you guys interact with each other now, because Rin's still off doing something. You hear a lot of crashing from the back. You hear her go, eh. Is she okay? Uh, she's most likely fine. 
quite the character she is, no? Very much so. Uh, Silk steps forward, and he turns on his heel, and kind of bows a little bit towards both of them, and he's like, Silk, which hell? Oh, I've, I've seen you around town. I've most, I haven't introduced myself, though. Hi, I'm I- Fiore Sunchaser. He holds out, he holds out a hand. Silk takes it. He's got a firm grip, and he gives you a handshake. Silk's hand is very fucking dainty, and he's shocked how firm your hand grip is. I'm, I am, uh, Ulrich, Revra. I, I believe I've seen both of you around. Um, I think at least. I wasn't aware there was anybody else that was interested in stuff like this. Somewhat surprising. I'll give you that. I'm surprised this is happening at all. <laughs> yes. Um, well, things like this don't usually happen in Otari. No. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> he, lo- he looks like he's... He, he looks like he, he is very aware of that. So, how could I pass up the chance to know what's going on? And... You two handsome boys, why are you here? <laughs> uh, Ulrich, you can't see the physical blush behind the hood because the <laughs> shadows like go over his over his cheeks. But if you look at if you look at his eyes, which very quickly turn away, there are pink clouds that roll in. That's so cute. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> um, and they go, I, I um. Uh, I heard about the Floria from a family friend in the markets. Uh, my mother told me about it. I was coming back from helping somebody with laundry. I was getting a little tired of the most intense adventure being a kobold in the basement. Hmm. Even that seems a bit much for Atari. It was a rare occasion. <laughs> the best I've heard of it whatever this is. I hope it's no waste of time. Well, nothing is a waste of time, but I do hope that it's something interesting. Well, we see if she ever comes back from the back. If she hasn't fallen into some path. And just as you question if she's dead or not, <laughs> spinning around a corner comes Rin Sivinxi, <laughs> and she says, Hello, everyone! I have it! I'm so sorry for making you wait. And just oh. in time... See how the night sky has come above us. And indeed, sunset is over now. The moon has risen, and the stars are starting to come out. Come, come this way, everyone. Out into the... And she kind of, like, brings you up to the back, uh, like, outside the tent to the back where there's a hill that can kind of, like, get a good view of uh, kind of the land around Otari, you know? Mm -hmm. And she says, this way, this way. Uh, and she walks you down a street, out to the edge of town, up to that hill, and she sets up the uh, telescope. And you each kind of give each other a look of like, hmm. As she plops it down, kind of clinks it out, and starts looking through it and says, do any of you ever do stargazing? Oh, yes. Uh, Alric meekly raises a hand. Uh, Not that often, but I'm not a stranger to it. 
Ah, wonderful, wonderful. It's so good, so good. Well, I myself, I've, I consider myself a child of the stars. Uh, I, I follow the cosmic caravan, of course. Uh, would you guys like to make me a religion check? Our first check of the campaign. Sure. Ooh, yes. Sure. Except for you, Ulrich. Uh... Because you can make a bardic lore check. Oh, yeah. Uh... Uh, because as a you are an enigma bard, mm-hmm. first and foremost, uh, you care above all else about uh, stories. And one of the things that you get because of that is bardic lore, which is a lore skill that you can roll on any topic. But the trade-off is you can't increase its proficiency. So you will always be trained in this. Okay. You can at higher levels, but Abomination Vaults isn't going to get to that level. Mm, So you're stuck with trained. (laughs) We. Hmm. So roll me that skill check, will you? Okay. So each of you do notice... The Cosmic Caravan is a pantheon, a collection of gods, uh, which is primarily followed by astronomers and astrologers, uh, who will tell you that the collection of constellations visible in the night sky, said to travel forever in a circle around a star cynosure. Uh, but it is associated with a diverse array of deities and demigods linked to the stars. That would be uh, Desna, the goddess of the moon, Serenray, the goddess of the sun, Ashava, the black butterfly, and Pulora, imperial lords of the night sky, the elven god Ketephis, who uh, is uh, a hunter of demons and a goddess of the moon as well. Oh, and also Yogg-Sothoth. Girl? You know, <laughs> from a... Uh, Just casually. Like the, the great outer gods, the Congolese of iridescent spheres, a brilliant foaming bubble... Endlessly glowing, endlessly riding. <laughs> yeah, he's there too. And he's here too. Don't even worry about it. She worships all of them together. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like a, a mini smorgasbord of gods. So she she smiles and looks up at you and says, What? Would you all like to come look at the stars as well? Completely off topic from whatever's going on, apparently. Of course. Sure. Sure. You each take turns. They're nice stars. It's a clear night out. Yeah. Hmm. And she says, what do you think? Lovely, is it not? Yeah, the night is pretty tonight. Quite beautiful. She kind of smiles and says, hmm. Unfortunately, that is why I have called you. Because I was looking at these stars when I first saw it. And she swivels that telescope down slightly and says would you look through it once more adventurers sure of course Fiore you kind of kneel down a little bit or you kind of like crouch down a little bit to look through and your eyes widen because she isn't pointing it at the sky anymore she's pointing it off off to the northeast uh, to this, like, true to forest that surround Otari. Which makes it exceptionally strange when you can still see a star off in the distance beyond the trees. A white glowing light awaits you. Huh? 
and she kind of like steps forward and says, you see it, yes? Yeah. Come, uh, friend Silk, friend Ulrich, take a look at this strange light. Uh, he takes a step back and uh, he's just like, what on Galarian is that? I think Silk very quickly <laughs> uh, cuts in front of Ulrich. Oh. <laughs> he's like, no waiting. <laughs> My turn. Yeah, Silk, there is a light. A light glowing off in the distance. And it's not like still. It's like it'll blink white and then go black. And then it'll blink white again and go back. Almost like it's a light that's spinning around in a circle. Well, that doesn't belong there, does it? Nope. Friend Alric, give it a look. Tell me what it is you think. Okay. And uh, they look through. And indeed, weird-ass light coming from the forest. It is strange, is it not? I've never seen this light before. Not until last night. How long do you think that perhaps it has been there? I, I'm not sure. And he stands up. I, I frequent the forest a lot. I've never seen it. Do you go that direction, friend Alric? Um, beyond the woods? Beyond the forest? No. That's where I believe it may be. Judging by my calculations, I believe it may be past the forest in the swamp known as the Fog Fen. And she kind of like her tail wraps around the case of the telescope and uh, she tucks it under her arm and says the fog fan is a place of strange and eerie tales odd things happen there so one must wonder perhaps could this be something benign or could it be something mysterious I do not like to leave things to chance adventurers to be honest it is not just the light that worries me it is the stars themselves for when I look at them the predictions that usually read of pleasantries and newsless nights recently the stars they have spelled doom for Atari doom Yes, Doom. D-O-O-M. That is what the stars say. <coughs> Verbatim. Mm. Of course, I see Doom everywhere. It's mostly because of the hounds. But... The ha- are the hounds? The, the... Yes, it's why, there's, it's why my house is uh, completely round. No corners. The hounds can't get me. Um, the, they're quite this... keen on just are, saying things. Are you okay? Oh, it makes perfect sense. It's the hounds. You know, they come through the corners. Anyway... That's not important. We are not talking about the intimate dimensional dogs from beyond our world. No, we talk about that light. This spells a real and true doom. For some some reason, the stars seem almost afraid. And that is why I ask you tree. You tree will go down to this, this strange place, yes? You'll find what the light is and set everything right, yes? Well, I, of course, I'll help you. Uh, you're sure it's something 
It's not just some stray camper. Do you think that camper can make a light quite so bright? Not long term. I don't know, perhaps it's some wandering wizard. Hmm. One that can be seen through telescope from miles upon miles upon miles away? Do you know how far the fog fen is from here? You're making it very hard to say no. Mm, that's because I don't want you to say no. I want you to say yes, Linsinksy, I will go. Uh, you said that you think that you were curious, right? Oh, yes. It could just be something, it could be interesting, even if it was just one guy. The kind of guy that could make a light that lasts that long, that bright from that far away, would be an interesting guy. Hmm. Oh, yes, I agree. He would be so interesting. You must go investigate. For me, for him. <laughs> I suppose you're right. And I will pay you a handsomely if you do so. Suddenly, I'm a lot more interested. Fifty gold each if you do this for me, Rin. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. It depends. On? The factors. She says, like, that explains everything. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're lucky. You're fascinating. I am, aren't I? Thank you so much, friend Silk. I find you fascinating as well. <laughs> Thank you. You've convinced me. I'll go. Wonderful. It is half hour walk into the fog fen. Uh. Not far, but it's far enough that a light like this, so bright and vibrant, is strange. Yes. Could be anything. Who's to say? You will go. Well, I'll go. I will go. If you're worried about danger, I promise I'll do my best to protect you. <laughs> uh, that's not entirely something I'm worried about. Oh, but it just doesn't feel better to have a handsome paladin at your side. <laughs> he is quite handsome, is he not? <laughs> <laughs> just forgive me, all this is a little strange. Um... I think Ring comes close to your face, Ulrich, and with those weird white eyes, she says, All things in life are strange to those who have yet to witness them. It is only by going and doing that you can make the strange familiar. Ulrich yes? backs up. <laughs> she takes another step forward. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he looks away. She smiles. So the fringe, like, covers his eyes, and he goes, I, I will go, but you don't have any information at all. Nope. No I books. don't know shit. <laughs> no books on what it could possibly be. No, no, no possible outcome of a spell. No theories? Spirits? Could be a big ghost. Uh, a big ghost. Ghost of an elephant! Or a conglomeration of many, who knows? Hmm. If that happens and you don't come back, I will tell Mayor to, to hire priests to get rid of ghosts. If we don't come back... <laughs> He's probably fine. Oh boy. I trust you, big strong adventurers. Look, you have you have big hat, big wizard. He's got sword. Look at him. You've got cool bow and a mysterious hood and beautiful eyes. Uh, <laughs> Ulrich looks away again. How can we argue with that? But 
You can you can do it. He's good. He's beginning of a most bizarre journey, no? Quite bizarre. I would suggest you go soon enough. You don't want to miss the Founders Day Festival, so better get it done before then, yes? We're yeah. Pressed for time just by a few days then. Is it's probably a quick job. But maybe it is grand adventure waiting to happen. Who knows? And Rinsvinxy smiles. And as she does, two words appear before you all. Quest, Quest accepted. accepted. Oh god. <laughs> uh and I now Whoa. open up the quest log. What? Oh my god. This we is got so a cute. fucking I have a quest log, Forian's quest tracker for Foundry VTT. And I you have one quest. A light oh in the fog from Rin Sivinxi. That's so it's like cool. a video game. This is and it has the rewards on it. It oh, has the rewards. So it, it tells you the. <gasps> it has the treasure that you will get for doing this, uh, and it tells you your description of the quest, which is Rin Sivinxi has spotted something strange in her telescope. There's an odd glow out in the fog fen, and it's getting brighter every night. Rin believes it might spell doom for Otari. Will you, brave adventurers, find the source of the baleful light? Uh, it has told you what the rewards for this quest are, which are a couple of talismans and some gold, and your objectives, which uh, at the moment is find the source of the strange light. What the fuck? So yeah, we've got a uh, we've got a quest tracker, and you'll actually notice uh, that when you close the quest sheet, I do have. On the screen, a quest tracker that you can have uh, on your screen wherever you want it. And it'll tell you all the quests you guys currently what? have. That's so fucking cool. It's just and like Final it Fantasy. It'll, te- it'll tell you everything you need to know about the current quests you have. I don't like what I, this is really cool. What I don't like is that there's a failed tab. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me nervous. You guys wouldn't fail any quests, would you? I don't think that we've ever failed a quest. Well, there's always a first time. No. Shut the fuck up. No. Shall we meet then, first thing in the morning? We can do that. First thing. Forest is close by to me. I can meet you guys there. Uh, sure. Okay. So, Alric, Silk, and Fiore. Do the tree you split up and meet up again in the morning? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so begins the greatest adventure the tree of you will ever have gone on. So, we fade in to the sound of Boots squelching. Gross. It is the next day. Early enough in the day, too. Maybe, should we say 9 a.m.? Yeah, okay. The three of you are making your way along the dirt path out of Otari into the fog fen. And certainly, it has earned its name. Yesterday, it was sunny and beautiful. But today, it is anything but there's a thick mist going through the forest. You can barely see ahead of you. Ulrich, you 
walk confidently, looking over your shoulder at the others. Alric, you know your way through a forest. But Fiore, you notice something pretty quickly, I'm sure. And you have a feeling that perhaps the rumor you rolled was a false one. Because Silk does not seem to be having a good time. <laughs> He's fucking miserable. Every step is like, oh. Uh, are you sure you should have taken those shoes on this journey? I couldn't wear anything else. It didn't match. Match? Yes. Okay. Well, you could, you could tie your outfit up a little bit if you're worried about it getting muddy. Oh, it's not the skirt I'm worried about. Uh, he's he's probably already got that like in his hands, bunched up uh, a little bit. <laughs> he's like, he, he, he does have like some baggy pants underneath the, the very long pleated skirt he wears. Uh, he he's just so fucking sad about his shoes. <laughs> it's okay. You can get them shined afterwards. But I'll know. I'll know they were dirty. What? Of course they were. You wore them. In a swamp. Well, you... You did choose to go. Yes, but I didn't think it'd be this... Gross. It's a swamp. A swamp that better be worth it at the end. I'm sure it will be. Uh, Ulrich, how are you doing as these two are bantering? (laughs) Ulrich, I think, is um, watching the the trees and the floor to see if there are any tracks or any herbs that he could find useful. He has basically an encyclopedic knowledge of every herb that's near Atari. So he knows knows everything about it and he's like, oh, maybe this will be useful. I think every once in a while you maybe like stop and quickly like pick a few sprouts yeah i feel like um, he's ahead of them enough to the point where if, even if he like stops to pick something up he'll still be in the lead okay uh silk and fiore i assume alric you're not being are you being subtle about it actually or what uh i feel like he thinks with the with the pace that he has on the both of them he it he knows that he's not like all that subtle about it but like he doesn't care <laughs> okay Ulrich uh, you're doing this Silk and Fiore you see him doing this and you're like is he picking is he picking like plants what's going on and Fiore of course you know yeah witch stuff <laughs> Fiore's like see hmm? well I heard I heard Ulrich's like a witch or something what yeah well I don't know for sure but it looks like he's picking herbs and stuff for spells. Oh, maybe that's what he's hiding under his hat. The small witch hat. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I... Is that what they do? I don't know. I'm not a witch. <laughs> Are you, Clearly uh, I'm a wizard. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought so. He, this is like a few meters away, give or take. Mm-hmm. And then Ulrich shouts back, Not a witch hat, I don't think. It's not that under there. You don't think? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you know what's under there. Oh, I do. Most don't, though. That's fair. He turns back to, because uh- he saw another herb. Also, which isn't 
the correct term. Uh, herbalist. Oh, cool. Um, I know a little bit about that stuff about like edible uh, plants and foraging and stuff, but I haven't done it in a long time. Well, have someone with a grand knowledge on herbs. So, if you ever want to pick it up again, let me know. I have too many books. I really like that. Uh, actually, here. And he takes out a field guide from uh, his back, from like his back pouch, and tosses it he to the He was just carrying it on him. He was carrying it. <laughs> Listen, he was carrying hey. it in case he was wrong. He's not wrong, <laughs> but he wants to double check. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna be foraging in the in the woods at all, like you're supposed to carry a field guide with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I suppose I've never. Can you tell that I spend most of my time in the city? I make cartoons for a living. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. the, the reason is because if you pick the wrong thing, you can die. Yep. Not me, it, I'm different. It's that one scene in fucking <laughs> Avatar with Uncle Hiro of like this is either the this is this is either this one plant that makes delectable tea or deadly poison. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's basically how it can be. So I think you guys are like chuckling about this when suddenly you pass the tree line of the swamp. And that's when you see it. It's the source of the light. But it doesn't make a lick of sense. Because here, standing a little way off the shore of the swamp, in like the the brackish lake nearby, there's a little island. And on the island, there are a load of ruins but standing tall and looming above the ruins tall, proud and ancient is the last thing you would expect to see it's a lighthouse hmm. oh shit uh oh a lighthouse made of stone bricks Standing maybe a hundred, two hundred feet tall. Far, far away from the sea itself. And shimmering from the top is a strange, ghostly light. What the hell is this doing here? Fiore looks so excited that he could pass out. Silk looks. Silk looks pleasantly intrigued. What is this? What would a lighthouse be doing out here? I don't know. Uh, We're just staring at it right now. We can't actually figure out what this is doing here without going ahead. Why don't no. we go over? Maybe it'll be less muddy. Don't get my hopes up. <laughs> you already started walking, sort of power walking towards him. <laughs> oh to catch up with Fiore, um, Silk uses warp step. <laughs> He's like, oh. uh, so tell me what warp step does. It's one of your cantrips, right? Yes, it is a cantrip, but it's two actions. Uh, when you walk, the earth warps beneath your feet, 
uh, your steps extend, distance contracts, and everything is just a little bit closer. I gain plus five foot status uh, bonus to my speed until the end of my turn. So I can just keep doing this because it's a cantrip. Okay, so you basically, you're basically like making these hand signs as you like, whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> yeah. All right, fellas, would you like to walk into the ruins before you? Yeah. Anything to get out of this fucking mud. Okay. <laughs> the sound of frogs and mosquitoes mixes with water slushing against muddy shores, all muffled by the ever-present mists that linger in the fog fen. As the mists clear, a shadow looms from the cloying swamp vapors. A sprawling ruin of stone and wood squats atop an island in the soggy marsh. The upper floors have largely collapsed, leaving only the stone walls of the ground floor intact. Above these ruins towers an out-of-place monument, a colossal lighthouse whose walls and iron creased crown have resisted the corrosive effects of the surrounding swamp. Oh. This is way more than I thought it'd be. Well, at least it's solid land to step on. <laughs> and quite more menacing than through a telescope. It's far away. Well, why don't we check inside? Come along now. Rose? Uh, here. I'll open the door just in case. Oh, so brave. <laughs> I don't want you to get hurt. He sort of, uh, I think he takes like the hilt of his sword to see if he can push the, the door open. Yeah, it'll, it gives way pretty quickly. <clears throat> ah, okay. <clears throat> Not locked or anything. What's in front of you is a watchtower out the front. It connects the mainland to the island that the rest of the ruins are on. Um, swaths of mildew and mold cover the damp surfaces of this tower, appearing as green and black smears on the dull stone walls. The door frames in the walls to the north and south rotted long ago, while a few collapsed chairs lie on the floor amid small heaps of foul-smelling grey lumps. Thick sheets of dusty cobwebs hang from above, obscuring any view of the ceiling. It looks like this was once the primary entrance to the keep. It's a one-story building, sturdy stone. There's opaque sheets of dusty cobwebs as a drop ceiling at a height of seven feet. So there's about three foot space between the cobwebs and the stone ceiling above. Hmm. What do you guys do? Well... Uh, why don't you guys I'm, I'm not that you're not strong but you are both spellcasters right how could you tell I have uh -huh. a wizard hat I'm talking about being a wizard <laughs> and the spells that made you move fast Arik says you're off right as they take out their bow and take out an arrow from under their cloak <laughs> That's a good idea. I'm in good hands. Let's head in. If we stand here, nothing's gonna happen. Lead the way right through the cobwebs. Alright. He sort of... He, I th he waves his sword in front of him to sort of catch at the cobwebs. Yeah. 
<laughs> Silk is appreciative. <laughs> There's a fair bit of... You You are able to clump that pretty well. Yeah, he just doesn't want anybody to, like, run into it, because it can be gross. He's aware. Whoa. But I will say, as you're walking through, suddenly you hear something. Mm. A few voices. Shh. And the voices say... And obviously, uh, Silk and Ulrich, the two of you, glance at each other like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, Fiore, you actually do understand what the voices are saying. Uh Uh-huh. Because you immediately recognize it as Sakvrat, also sometimes called Undercommon, the Ah. language of subterranean civilizations. Hmm. And the voice says, Welcome, welcome travelers to our keep. We are fairies. Fairies come to play with you. (laughs) And then you hear a few (laughs) coming from elsewhere. Oh, uh, hi. (laughs) <laughs> what brings you here, travelers, to the den of the fairies? <laughs> uh, there was just a really bright light from where our town is. And mm. we traveled towards it, and it was here. Mm. Most curious. <laughs> what is going on? Unsure? Uh, sorry, they speak Zachroth. Oh, carry on, I guess. <laughs> Give me a minute. You come here? You come here to look look for for stuff? We have stuff. Most impressive stuff. See, do you see? Do you see the lumps on the floor? And there are some, like, weird gray lumps. Oh. Magic pixie mud. Eat the magic pixie mud. It'll give you magic powers. <laughs> I don't think anybody... You should! You should! We're pixies and it's our magic pixie mud! (laughs) We're not gonna eat the mud. Is this entire place your home? Yes, and you must come no deeper. It is the home of the pixies and you cannot be here. Not unless you eat the magic pixie mud! (laughs) Uh... He sort of He's like, I don't know. Is it safe to consume that? He sort of like nudges it. Would the rest of you like to roll me a nature check? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, please. (laughs) Alric, you're not so sure. You're like, what is what is that? Weird. Silk, you immediately know what that is. You've used it before in your concoctions. And your face turns gray. Because that, my friend, is gremlin poop. Uh, <laughs> um, Silk leans forward. Uh, he puts a gentle hand onto Fiori's shoulder and uh, whispers, You really do not want to touch that. Trust me. That's shit. Give me a minute. So! 
This is your magic pixie mud. Yes! <laughs> uh, we've never met before. And as adventurers, we don't always know what's safe to eat or not. Do you think... You can pretty promise it's safe well, to eat. <laughs> why don't you try it first? No! It's poison to us pixies. We can't eat our own pixie mud. Well, that doesn't make sense. Nuh-uh. <laughs> no, why can't you do that? Poison. But why would it be poison to you if you make it? It's just how it works. Now eat the magic pixie mud. I don't even know your name. One throws a rock at you from the shadows. He <laughs> catches it. <laughs> Make me a reflex save. <laughs> Make me a reflex save. Let's see if you can do okay, this. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> yeah, 12. A 12 will do it. This is your very low level. Um... A rock flies at you and Fiora. You, like, raise your hand and catch it. And you look up and in the shadows, above the cobwebs, kind of slinking over the walls, you see tree figures. Bulbous. Ugly. Massive heads. Massive noses and massive ears on tiny bodies. Just the ugliest looking creatures you've ever seen. <laughs> Oh my god, is it my favorite creature in the entirety of Pathfinder? It is none other than a trio of <laughs> awful, nasty, disgusting <sighs> mitflits. Yes! I love these oh guys. Oh my <laughs> fucking god. As you make eye contact with one, they immediately huff up and you're like, He's looking at us, looking at us, thinks we're ugly, look at his reaction, thinks we're hideous creatures, we're not hideous, he's hideous, we'll cut him up and we'll hey. make him out of him. And they start throwing more rocks, and suddenly they're jumping up and down and scampering, and it looks like they're ready to come down and get you. And everyone, for the first time in the campaign, I'd like you all to roll me initiative. Oh boy. 22. 12. 18. So, top of the order uh, is going to be Silk. Silk, as these creatures, uh, these awful-looking little gremlins with their big bloated noses and ears and eyes and ugh. Jesus, these things are awful to look at. You know that Midflits are a type of gremlin and that they uh, hate how they look and they assume everyone else also hates them, which just makes them angrier. And you know that they're Pretty nasty creatures. Um, as they're jumping down and like snapping their teeth at you and uh, gibbering away in uh, their underground language, uh, what do you do? Um, Silk is going to take out an item. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if anyone has noticed this item on his hip thus far, uh, but he takes it out and he points it at one of these little shitheads. Uh, and he shoots a gun at it. <laughs> what? <laughs> it is a long silver pistol that he takes out from his hip and he shoots this fucking creature. Um, so, Silk, 
you have a dueling pistol. Um, you are untrained in the dueling pistol at the moment. You'll be able to get properly trained in it soon. We'll say you're out of practice. Um, this gun is also your arcane focus, whereas many wizards might use a wand or a staff or an amulet. You use a pistol because you're a refined gentleman. Yes. A gun wizard. Um, <laughs> a gun wizard. Your curriculum is the uh, School of Unified Magical Theory, which you eschew the idea that magic can be neatly suppressed by the teachings of any single school or college, and instead you're focusing on finding your own theory, perhaps bearing your name. But one of the things you get from being uh, a member of the School of Unified Magical Theory is the focus spell, Hand of the Apprentice. Now, what Hand of the Apprentice normally does is you can uh, basically make a ranged attack with a weapon as it flies out of your hand and comes back. I will allow it to do the following. No, not show your gun. You just shoot a <laughs> fucking magic blast out of it at people. Yeah. And automatically reload it. You'll shoot an arcane bullet at the creature. <laughs> That's better. Would you like to roll me a spell attack roll against one of the mitflits? I would. That is going to oh. be a 25. <laughs> well, that's a that's a critical hit. <laughs> that is 10 above his um. AC. So... I... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just get the first crit of the fucking first campaign already. First attack roll is a crit. Okay, Silk. Uh, so you'll roll me uh, the damage plus double damage plus uh, your intelligence modifier uh, times two. Oh my god, no. Wait, this is a... F it, your gun has the fatal trait. Oh my god. On a critical hit, instead of doing D6s, you do D10s. And it yeah. adds an additional D10. Oh my god. So it's actually... Could you please roll me 2D10 times two plus eight? Okay, that's gonna be, um... That's gonna be... You rolled maximum damage! This isn't a bit! Oh. This isn't a bit! Okay. Ritz. Now how did that you, happen? Huh? Silk. That's 48 damage! You did 48 damage to a creature with 10 HP. <laughs> how do you do this? Oh my god! It's so nonchalant. These, these motherfuckers start to, like advance on us. Silk does not hesitate. Silk pulls a gun straight from a holster of, around his waist, points it at it, pulls the fucking trigger. A beam of light comes out and this thing just doesn't exist anymore. Ah, dust is all that remains of the uh, mid-flit that was there moments ago. And it is gone. Completely and utterly gone. And the scariest thing is, Silk, you have one action left. <laughs> um... Silk turns to the other mitflits and he says, Squishy. And he reloads. You don't have to reload. Not with Hand of the Apprentice, my friend. I don't? You I thought it was an action, action to reload. For a standard gun. Yeah. Hand of the Apprentice doesn't require a reload. Yeah. You <gasps> shot an arcane bullet, my friend. That thing was made of pure magic energy in the chamber. Am I allowed to shoot again? Uh, I don't think you actually have the focus points to shoot again. No more focus points. Um, Silk is going to instead... Uh, Silk is going to spend his last action casting Glass Shield. 
Okay, so describe Glass Shield to me. And what's the difference between it and a regular shield spell? It kind of fucks harder than a regular uh, shield spell because Glass Shield, uh, what you do is you summon a clear Glass Shield uh, to keep you from harm. It's different in the sense that it has hardness two and four hit points. So it's much less sturdy, right? Yeah, it's a lot less sturdy. Uh, so if it breaks, whoever breaks it has to succeed a reflex save or take 1d4 piercing damage from the glass shards. And how does this particular glass shield look? How does Silk's glass shield look? He he waves an arm and this glass kind of like forms almost like liquid. Um, and it it's like you took a mirror to a sky of stars, but it's still transparent, you know? Ooh, very nice. Okay. And Silk, you have created that around you to protect you from the attacks of these poor creatures that you've evaporated one of. (laughs) Um, And is that your turn, Silk? That's it. Okay. Next in the order is going to be Fiore. Fiore, you see these two midflits. There were three, now there's two. Silk is a gun? (laughs) Fiore's jaw is a little dropped. He's like, okay, wow. Um, and then he's gonna attack one of the mitflits. He's like, okay. Well, okay. She's gonna draw his scimitar. You already have it out. You mentioned oh. that you used it to no- knock open the door. That's true. I didn't even. Okay, so I, I'm doing that, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna strike. Yeah, I will say the mitflits are like shrieking in fury that their friend was killed. They're not scared. They're mad. Fifteen. A fifteen is a hit, Fiore. What do you do now? I damage it. Seven damage. Okay. Seven damage, Fiore. You swing your scimitar down into the midflit, who lets out a gasp of pain as you uh, pull back your sword and get ready to strike again, I assume. Yeah, I think I'll try it one more time because they just look they just look kind of weak. Yeah, they do. Wow. <laughs> okay. 18. That is a hit. Roll me that damage. Eight. Fiore, how do you take care of the midflit next to you as it jumps down and snarls at you? Um, I think that he fights a little, like, I think when he fights, it's kind of like, uh, you know how Saren Ray is like a little, they're kind of, it's not as dancey as Desna, but I feel like a lot of their stuff would be more, like, dancey and flowy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think his, uh, scimitar, like, uh, like, when it swishes in the air, it's like, like, rhythmic. Um... Ooh, very yeah. nice. And I think he just does, he just hits twice very quickly, like like, like in quick succession. Um, I think it's like from both sides, you know? Okay, and with that fury, slash, slash, just like the other one, the midflit collapses to the floor, dead. And you have one action left. Uh, there's one last midflit. It is fuming. Its eyes are practically popping out of its head. It says, nasty, nasty, nasty people coming here and pretending you're better than the midflits. You're not. You tried to get us to eat shit. He's going to raise the shield. <laughs> okay. Uh, and your shield goes up and Fiore, your AC goes from your AC goes from 20 to 22. I love being level 2. Um, Jesus. So the midflits has a plus eight to attack. I don't know if it's gonna hit you, but it's sure gonna try. It's gonna throw a dart at you. Yeah! And that dart flies and, well, what do you know? It's a hit by one. I'm very proud of it right now. Yay! 
Uh, that is, that's one damage. Fiore, you, Fiore, you have the, the opportunity to do the funniest thing possible here. And use your shield block reaction to raise your shield and block that damage. Stop. <laughs> uh, then I'm gonna, sh I will shield block actually. Okay. Well, Fiore, you pr uh, your shield prevents you from taking an amount of damage up to your shield's hardness, and he does no damage to you. The, sh the dart hits your shield, and you look up over it, and he's, like, foaming at the mouth. Like, there's drool coming out of his mouth. He is that angry. Um, with his last action, he's going to, like, stump, like, haunch over and say, Horrible, 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 nasty, terrible little creatures, all of you. Terrible. You're all terrible. And he's going to cast, with his last two actions, Bane. Uh, that's going to require all creatures within five feet, which is you, Fiore, to make me a will save, please. Uh, okay. 17. A 17, that is a success. Fiore, uh, you are good, being honest. Um, this awful feeling of bad luck and hatred coming off it, you shake your head and continue pushing through. Um, so you do not take a minus one to your attack rolls while you're in the area. Wow. That's nice. Next in the order is gonna be Ulrich. Ulrich, uh, you see Silk absolutely decimate one of the midflits, and Fiore quickly cut one down to size. The final one is up on the wall uh, above the cobwebs, throwing like darts at Fiore and hissing in anger. Uh, shadows loom on the floor from beneath it where it has cast Bane and if you get too close you're gonna have a bad time what do you do? well thankfully Ulrich doesn't need to get close because bow and arrow <laughs> um, uses the short bow to attack oh my fucking god <laughs> it's a 25 <laughs> that's another crit Little fun. 11 damage <laughs> this thing has 10 HP. <laughs> Even though you... <laughs> Woo! Ulrich, how do you take out the last of the Mitflits? I think they just assess the situation. Their arrow's already knocked onto the, uh, the string, so they just pull it back and just breathe out as they let go of the arrow, and it pierces them, the Mitflits, straight in the heart. <laughs> The Mifflet lets out one last curse as this ah, horrible creature before it stumbles over, also dead. And with that, you have dispelled the Mifflets that were guarding the entrance into this strange ruin. How are you guys doing? <laughs> um, Fiora turns back to uh, Silk and he's like, I did not know you had a gun. Did you just shoot a spell out of that? Oh, <laughs> yes, I do. Would you like to see? Uh, Silk holds out the gun for Fiori to look at. Is this like, like a, like your wand or staff? You could say that, yes. Very observant. Uh, it's incredibly like detailed. Uh, again, like sterling fucking silver. Um, lots of swirls. You take really good care of this. Well, I must. It does me so well. Uh, Ulrich is just staring at the gun, I think. 
mostly in intrigue, but also in you, you have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't frighten you, did I? Frighten? No. Stun? Yes. Good. Keeps you on your toes. Uh, and he, he holsters it back uh, onto his hip. You two took care of that quite quickly as well. <laughs> I'm impressed. Uh, well, I do hunt, so I know my way around this. I've just been training for a long time. Interesting. Well, I wonder what a bunch of mifflets are protecting. I don't know, uh, but we can look around now. But careful to step over that stuff. Uh, right. <laughs> Ugh. Silk is careful not to dirty his clothes. It's not easy. <laughs> this place is covered in cobwebs and muck and wish. It looks like they were maybe using this place as yeah. an outhouse. Gross. Regardless, at Disgusting. the at the end of the keep, there are a pair of double doors. What do you guys do? I suppose we keep going. Uh, yeah. Here, I'll uh. He he's, he holds out his uh I I think he's gonna use the 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 scimitar like the like the hilt of it like he's holding it in its sheath so he's not hurting himself to try and push the door open. Okay, well, the door opens onto what appears to be a decrepit drawbridge. Oh. A wooden huh. drawbridge, its timbers gray with age and decay, spans the 20-foot gap between the outbuilding and the sprawling ruin on the island. Rusty iron chains hang from the ruin's northern wall to the drawbridge's southern side. The chains look ready to fall apart, giving the drawbridge's structural integrity an extra layer of dubiousness. What do you guys do? I really don't like the looks of that bridge. Uh, he puts a foot down on it and like, uh, keep oh. a light foot on this. Would you like to make a perception check? Uh-huh. Yeah, hey, Fiore, no fucking shit. It's gonna fucking, this thing is so, so, so weak. So weak. It's been sabotaged even. You can see that some of the under, like, the underside of the drawbridge has been cut up a little bit. The fucking they, they, they sabotage it it's gonna crash if you walk over it too much I actually stop hold on look it's been he like points it's been sabotaged and it's already old however are we to get across then do you guys have any spells that might help not not going to help here. Um. Uh. I have a roundabout way of getting across, but I'm not keen on it. Uh, what is that? I could use frostbite a couple times to freeze the water below. Hmm. But who knows how sturdy that is. How deep does the water look? Uh, the water looks like it's maybe four feet deep. It is not a deep the worst that will happen is if you cross this and you're like if it falls apart it might not fall apart if you're careful about how you go through it but if it did the worst that would happen is you'd get wet 
Yuri's like, well, we could just go through the water. It's only like four feet deep. Silk frowns at Fiore. <laughs> it is also very green. It is practically uh, moss green water. You can see pond skaters dancing along the surface and strange shapes in the reeds below. Fury smiling. Silk is crossing his arms. What? <laughs> I think Ulrich checks the, uh, anything above them to see if there's a way that, uh, they could possibly use any rope. Like, either as a swing or as a, a line. Hmm. There's nothing above the drawbridge itself, but do you want to make me a perception check, uh, Ulrich? Sure. Okay. Ulrich, you look around and, like, there is nothing above the drawbridge that you can, like, swing yourself across. But Hmm. those chains, I think you feel that if you were very careful and maybe only walked one person at a time across the drawbridge, it wouldn't collapse. Um, it's... It might be possible, just one person at a time. Oh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Dude, I can go fast. Uh, if you're sure. It's my theory, <laughs> might as well. I'll help you up if you fall. Thanks. And he takes a step on the bridge. And then one more. It's very rickety. Uh, try to keep your balance if you can. Um, last step. All good. You're good. And you're across. Okay. Yay! Okay. Just uh, walk slow. Don't rush it. Um, and one person each. So... Yeah, of course. You Who want, next? Do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first? Mm. Logically, I should go. I... You're wearing heavy armor, so what if it breaks on you? I don't want to be stuck over here. You wouldn't be stuck even if it did. Uh, if I fall, I'm going to cry. <laughs> In 50 episodes time, when we're like dealing with the big bad and like the world's in peril and whatever that's happening, um, I want you all to think <laughs> back on this moment where the most pressing issue that these three had was how do we cross this bridge without getting muddy? Okay. <laughs> um, Silk crosses so fucking carefully. Okay. Step. I think Ulrich also like holds out a hand so that way when Silk steps over, he just brushes them over to the other side just in case. Silk, make me a reflex save, Oh, baby. Silk takes that hand. So, oh make me my a fucking save. god. A DC, you rolled a what? 12. A 12? I rolled Since a Auric 12. Was already... Well, you know what? That uh, is a pass. Uh, Silk, <gasps> you lunge forward, grab onto Ulrich's hand, Ulrich pulls you up, and the bridge collapses. Ta-da! 
<laughs> I need you to know, Silk is like grabbing onto Ulrich. Uh, <laughs> his fucking legs are like shaking. <laughs> you can, Silk cannot see it, but Ulrich is blushing. Um, <laughs> uh, are, are you alright? Um, Silk, <laughs> you're okay. Oh my god. I, you're fine. I almost ruined my favorite shirt. You're good. <laughs> You're you're fine. It's it's okay. <laughs> Believe me, I had the I had the unfortunate uh, problem of wearing white as well, and they show a little bit of the cloak. They take they show off the white shirt. Like you could get another one of those. Also point out that the uh, bridge on the map has collapsed and broken into pieces. <sighs> um. Uh. Hey Fiore, how does it feel on the other side? <laughs> Giggling. He's laughing a little bit. <laughs> I think Fiore is fine. Um, he's like, uh, okay, I'm gonna... I'm gonna climb down there and then climb back up. Careful, it looks disgusting. Because I don't really have any other options. Um, I think he's gonna try and, like, walk over the... I think he's gonna try and step over the wood to avoid getting... Like, you know, to avoid as much as he can, but he's not really, like, mad. Yeah, you, you kind of way true. It's really not... A big deal. It comes up to your chest, and then you get out, and you're good. He's like, <laughs> he's like, can I get a hand? <laughs> uh, um, Ulrich helps Fiore uh, up, and he he just he just uses it to like hoist himself up, and then he <laughs> you climbs. hear a clank 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 going through the water. He's like, <laughs> he's like, that was really not that big a deal, you know. Oh uh, yes, but can, can Silk press digitation, Fiore? Dry? Oh yeah, press go digitation ahead. can indeed. Tidy, color clean, or soil an object of light bulk or less. Oh, I actually think you can. I think you can polish him if you spend an entire minute just like waving your hands in the air and yeah. cleaning him up. Fiora <laughs> is like, no. as soon as Fury gets up, Silk is like, wait a minute, uh, and like starts like kind of fussing in a way over him. He's like, a little know, bit. You know, this this armor is like old. It's okay. You look better like this. Trust me. <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? You're covered in green muck water. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, if you're fine looking like that, just know that I am not. Okay. Uh, and he <laughs> continues to uh, make Fiora cleaner. <laughs> He's like, what is the problem here? <laughs> Silk cannot stand looking at gross, gross objects. <laughs> At the very least, you're all now standing in front of those double doors into the ruins. What do you guys do? Let's open them doors. Do you guys push them open? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Alric and Silk, the two of you push open the doors and Fiore follows after as you enter into these ruins. <gasps> Giant stone walls await you on all sides rubble of some ancient battle everywhere. Moss has overgrown the stones and wicked giggles echo through the halls. You don't know what it is that you expect to find in these ruins, but you certainly don't expect the ancient truth, the sinister plots and the monstrous enemies you will face as you enter 
into the ruins of Godlight. This episode of Dice Will Roll would not have been possible without support of our patrons. Let's give a huge round of applause to Quinlan Boss, Princess Alivi, Emily is Gay, Dexton, Miamai, Michael Wallet, Knight the Werewolf Teacher, Ashley, Actually a Bot, Violet, Seraphine, Kyle Damon, Soul Grease Lobo, Phoebe Jeebies, Daisy Gilliam, Lux Rexus, Better and Stormcrow, Sam Stryker, Tony Saunders, Mita, Arave, Belmonts, Marshmallow Berry, Farrakh Falcon, Luis Loza, Ares, Alexander Criswell, May Cohen, Skyly, Ginly Tricked, Transgirl Trish, Bal Ponyon, Join the Catman Extraordinaire, Matthew Wilson Krasnovich, Tillin Shark, Glitch HD, Jace Snooks, Jonathan Love, G Barbera, Luke, Gideon, Sarah B, Seth, Kira, Lichelope, Gizmo, Cass, Fable McLeodoff, Ava, Remti Bright, Lonesome Chunk, Steph, Sean C, Natasha Lumley, Rhiannon C, Ellie, Jenna Mitchell, Kane Kendrick, Sky Evangeline, Triceratops, Anna Maria, Jordan, Emily Laderna, John the Bookwriter, SS66 Seeker, and Dame Valerie Turn. If you'd like to see what you can get for helping us keep rolling, check out patreon.com. That's check out patreon.com slash dice roll today. And thank you very much for supporting Abomination Vaults. 